0: Well, it's good to see everybody here this morning, this last day of 2017. That means that tomorrow would be the first day of 2018. And traditionally, at this time, I would say something along the lines of, you know, it'll probably be February before we quit writing 2017 on our checks. But who writes checks anymore? So, you know, I'm sure we quit writing 2017 on something, uh, but now with debit cards and all that kind of stuff, checks are becoming a thing of the past. But we traditionally at this time, we make resolutions, don't we? Uh, Whether it has to do with our health, whether it has to do with financial resolutions, whether it has to do with spiritual resolutions. I bet that most of us can think back to this time last year, And we can think about resolutions that we made in our spiritual lives. Things that we were going to commit ourselves to in order to help us grow closer to God and be stronger in our spiritual walk and to encourage others and all these different things. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands as to how many fell miserably short. Some fell barely short. Some may have exceeded expectations. God bless you. And that's great. But how many regrets and failures hold us back from being what God wants us to be? I think that all of us in here want to be better Christians. I think all of us in here want to be more Christ-like in our lives. But sometimes there are just certain things in our past. Certain things going on and certain things that have happened that They become a hindrance to us. Paul Tarr, the writer of Hebrews, talked about throwing aside those things that entangle us. He's talking about sin there, but it could be our past. John read out of Philippians chapter 3. that says, forgetting what lies behind, I press on towards those things that God has planned for me. You know... I mentioned, those of you that were here on Wednesday night, but in the teenage class on Sunday mornings, we've been doing a survey of the Bible, and and we're in that section right now about David and David's horrible sin with Bathsheba and then eventually commits murder to try to cover up that sin. And you would think that there is no way that somebody who has done those things could ever come back from that Spiritually. And yet we see that David did. Even though he had committed these sins, God used him. Even though he committed these sins, God called him a man after my own heart. Even after he committed these sins, we see so many of the Psalms that reveal such a close relationship between him and God. And we might ask ourselves how is that even possible? Jesus tells us that he came to give us life, and not just life, but abundant life. And the good news is, is, that applies to all of us. When Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, he wasn't just talking to those who had good pasts. He wasn't just talking about those who had always been good people. He wasn't talking about those who had, who had lived a, a Christian life pretty much their whole life. He was talking to the woman at the well who had a shameful past. He was talking to the woman caught in adultery who now had a reputation that the whole town knew about. He was talking to Zacchaeus who had been a, essentially a cheat and an embezzler as a tax collector. He was talking people to people with all kinds of checkered Pass, But he said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. This applies to all of us, no matter what our past may be. The great news this morning is that God wants to do great things in your life. God wants to do great things in all of our lives. God doesn't just, we've talked about this and we've talked about Paul before. God doesn't just want to barely save you. God wants to do great things with you. Now, they may not be great in far as publicity goes. It may not be great as far as being noticed goes. But God has great plans for you. Listen to these words from Isaiah chapter 43. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. God is all about new beginnings. God is all about fresh starts. As we close the page on 2017... And we get ready to open the blank page of 2018. God says, I want to do new things in your life. I want to do great things in your life. No matter who we are or what we've done. God is infinitely more interested in the present and the future than He is the past. God does not want to let those things that we have done, those mistakes we've made, those failures that we have had, God does not want to for those things to bring us down and keep us from doing the things that he has planned for us. You know, I watch football. This time of the year, I watch a lot of football. And one of the things that the commentators always say is after a quarterback throws an interception... It's really important how he comes out on that next drive. Is he going to be confident enough to throw that pass again? Or is the fact that he threw an interception on the last drive going to keep him from doing the things that he needs to do? God is the same way with us. He doesn't care about football. Those of you who think, you know, that the Cowboys are his team, he doesn't care about them. But he does care about us. And he cares about our lives. And he says, yeah, you may make mistakes. Yeah, you may have a past. But I can still do great things in your life. Think about the people that God has used. Moses was a murderer. And he used Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. David, as we already said, an adulterer and a murderer. And God used him. Paul a persecutor of the church to the point I think that he was responsible for people's death and God used him. God can use us no matter what our background is. These words, these words that are up here were written to Israel while they were being punished for their disobedience. You remember, you know, Israel disobeyed God and started worshiping idols and all these different things. And so God punishes them. They're in the middle of this punishment when God says to them, I've got great things planned for you. Y'all have messed up. But I still have great things planned for you. You're not going to believe what I'm going to do among you. And God, I believe, says that to us as well. This morning, I want to use the word start, fresh start. I want to use the word start as an acrostic to think about our new beginning. That kind of means, you know, that the first letter is going to kind of make the point, okay? You'll, you'll catch on. I had to look it up, you know, I wasn't sure. Uh, acrostic ac- acronym. I, well, anyway, so we'll just catch on. So number one, if we're gonna make a fresh start, we gotta stop making excuses. If I really wanna make a fresh start with God, then I have to stop making excuses. I have to stop blaming others. I have to stop becoming a victim of my circumstance. I have to stop feeling sorry for myself. We talked Wednesday night and we've been talking about this In the high school class in this survey of the Bible, that Saul and David, the first two kings of Israel, were both chosen by God for those purposes to be king. Both given every opportunity, both given all the resources to be a great king, to serve and follow God and lead Israel. Saul sins. He offers a sacrifice when he was supposed to wait for the priest. He spares King Agag of the Amalekites and some of the cattle and some of the flocks supposedly to offer a sacrifice. And because he disobeyed God, God said, I am going to reject you and your family as king. He says, if you had obeyed me, you would have had a dynasty. But because you disobeyed me, I'm rejecting you as king and ripping the kingdom from your hands. David commits adultery and murder. And he remains king. And God calls him a man after my own heart. Wait a minute. (laughs) Something's not right there. Mention this again Wednesday, but if I'm classifying and categorizing sins and one man offered a sacrifice when he wasn't supposed to and spared a man's life and some of the flock and the other man commits adultery and murder, which one kind of deserves the benefit of the doubt? I'm thinking... What Saul did, not nearly as bad as what David did. Now we understand, we know, right? Sin is sin. The wages of sin is death, no matter what the sin is. I understand that. But as far as the consequences and the ramifications of the sin, wow. But it wasn't about the sin. It wasn't about the mistakes. It was about what happened after that that made the difference. When the prophet Samuel came and confronted Saul, all Saul did was make excuses. Excuse after excuse after excuse, never took responsibility, never owned up for what he had done. On the other hand, when Nathan the prophet comes to David, tells him that little parable about the the man and the sheep and all that, David immediately says, I have sinned before God. And Wednesday night we read the 51st Psalm, the Psalm that David writes, a repentful... Yeah, a Psalm of repentance. How's that? Where he says, cleanse me. Give me a clean heart, a pure heart. And so we need to stop making... Excuses. Nobody is responsible for our spiritual condition except us. There may have been others who have hurt us. There may be others who have disappointed us, others who have scarred us. But nobody can ruin our lives unless we allow them to. We have to take responsibility for our actions, for our situations. We have to move on. Making excuses leads us in the path. In the past and leaves no room for a positive future remember Jesus told the story about those who had been invited to the banquet and then when it was actually time for the banquet they began to make excuses why they couldn't come and because they made those excuses they missed out on the blessing that the master had wanted to give to them the same is true With us, God wants to bless us. God wants to do great things in our lives. But if we make excuses, if we blame others, if we blame our situation, if we blame this or that, and we never take responsibility, we are going to miss out on the blessings that God has for us. We cannot say that we are too busy, that we are too hurt, that we're too young, that we're too old, that we're too damaged, or that it's too late. If we want a fresh start, we have to stop making excuses. Secondly, we have to take an inventory of our lives. Human nature tells us that we will make time for those things we truly consider important. I really think, do you not, that people can follow us And just by observing where we put most of our time and our effort, they'll get a pretty good gauge of what is truly important in our lives. We've got to take an inventory and decide what is important to you in your life. Career, job, money, recreation, family, education. Now, none of those things are bad, right? None of those things in and of themselves are wicked or evil. And they all have a level and should have a level of importance in our lives. But in comparison to the importance of God in our lives, those things shouldn't even matter. Remember when we were doing the Are You a Fan series and we got to that part, that really weird part... Where Jesus says, unless someone hates his father and mother and brother and sister, he cannot follow me. Woo! That is a strong word, hate. How many here in your family, you don't let your we don't say hate. Well, Jesus did. Jesus said you have to hate your mother and father and brother and sister. Wow. That's strong. When we were doing that, I looked that word up because I thought, ah, I'm going to do the Norman thing. I'm going to look it up and I'm going to find out that hate really didn't mean hate in the Greek, you know? You know, and, and, and I, you know, so I was going to, because, you know, that would kind of soften it. You know what hate means in Greek? Hate. <laughs> hate. Wow. And when we were talking about that, we came to the conclusion that what Jesus was trying to say is, we know we're supposed to love our mother and father, right? That's one of the Ten Commandments. We know we're supposed to love our brothers and sisters, and, you know. We, we know we, we, we're supposed to do all that. But in comparison to our love for God, our love of God ought to be so immense. Our love for God ought to be so strong. We ought to be so devoted to our love for God that the feelings we have for everything else, no matter how important they seem to be, is way down on the scale. Way down on the scale. God says, you love me more than anything. As an individual, as a family, what is important to us? Parents, what is the most important thing to you for your children? Is it that they are successful academically? Is it that they are successful athletically? Is it that they are successful socially? Or is it that they are successful spiritually? That has got to be the most important thing. It's great if our kids are smart. It's great if our kids are athletic. It's great if our kids have lots of friends. But none of that matters if they don't have a relationship with God. A foundation in faith that will lead them, not only here, but in the life to come. Jesus talked about where our treasure is. That's where our heart is. What do we invest our time, our energy, and our resources in? To get a fresh start, we have to honestly evaluate the priorities in our lives. Thirdly, we have to act in faith. Once you've taken an inventory, you have to act. You have to step out on faith and need what needs to do, need to do what needs to be done. This is going to shock you. But I am making a resolution for this new year to be healthier, (laughs) to lose weight, to bring down my blood sugar, to bring down my cholesterol. But that resolution ain't worth squat if I don't get up off the couch and get on the treadmill. That resolution is absolutely meaningless if I don't put down that fork. I'll just eat with my hands. But anyway, you you get the metaphor. Resolutions are of no value if they aren't backed by action. I know that's true when it comes to my physical well-being. But the same is absolutely true with our spiritual well-being as well. We can make all the resolutions. We know, right, that saying about the road to hell paved with good intentions. We can have all the good intentions in the world. But if we don't act on them, if we don't actually do what needs to be done, then the resolutions are useless. I love that story of Peter walking on the water. Now, we normally call it the story of Jesus walking on the water. But I like Peter walking on the water. And what I like about that is when, you know, Jesus is coming out and and they're all scared because it's night and the storm is coming and they see this ghostly figure on the water. And Jesus says, don't fear, it's me. And Peter says, well, if it's you, let me come out there. Now that's resolution, isn't it? That's an intention. That's crazy talk. And Jesus says, come on. Now it's time to put your money where your mouth is. You see, it wasn't faith when Peter said, if it's you, let me come out there. That wasn't faith. It was faith when Peter got out of the boat. That was faith. And if we are going to be better people, if we're going to have a fresh start, we got to get out of the boat. We can't talk about getting out of the boat. That's what I'd be doing. I'd be saying, oh, well, you know, ooh, it's awfully, you know, the waves are kind of like that, and, and, you know, I'm not so sure. And, hopefully procrastinate until Jesus got to the boat and then I wouldn't have to get out of the boat. But Peter got out of the boat. You know, making that first step, step, acting, is is the biggest thing. For me, the second day on the treadmill is not the hardest. The third day on the treadmill is not the hardest. The 30th day... I've never gotten there. So, <laughs> Who am I kidding? I'm not going to lie to you. The hardest day on the treadmill is the first day. The first day. God has all kinds of great things planned for us, but we've got to act. We've got to get out of the boat. I love the old, remember the old Nike ad? The old one? Just do it. Just do it. Be at Bible class. Just do it. Be at worship. Just do it. Get involved in spiritual activities. Just do it. Pray more. Study more. Just do it. Invite friends and family to worship. Just do it. Be kind to the person at school or work that you know needs a kind word. Just do it. It may mean getting rid of things in your life that are holding you back. In the junior high class this morning, still in the Sermon on the Mount, we're behind all y'all. But, you know, we were talking about that section where Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your arm causes you to sin, cut it off. A fresh start may mean that we need to get rid of some things in our lives. Those things that are holding us back, it may be habits, it may be activities, it may be people that we've got to cut out of our lives in a sense, in order that we can be what God wants us to be. And then once we act, we have to keep doing it. No matter what the distractions are, no matter what all the the discouragement may be, no matter what all the excuses that we could make to stop or to quit or whatever, we got to keep going. Because it's too important. Fourthly, we need to refocus. It goes along with taking inventory and and acting acting what God wants us to do. But we must make a conscious decision to refocus our lives. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your hearts, for it is the wellspring of life. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 that we're familiar with says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One of the ways that we're going to be able to focus, one of the ways that we're going to take an inventory of our lives and realize that we're on the right track is by making sure that we concentrate on those things that we need to be concentrating on. Psalm chapter 1, the very first psalm says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Now that's the negative part. Blessed is the man who doesn't do these things. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. We need to concentrate, focus on those positive, godly things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, we know that Paul says, whatever things are noble, pure, trustworthy, right, all those things, think on those things. We've got to refocus, not worry about all the things that have happened in the past and all the negativity around us. i got to tell you, you know, it is, this world is negative. You people who watch the news all the time, I don't know how you do it. Because it's just negative, negative, negative over and over and over again. And everything is so horrible and terrible. And, and, and yeah, yeah. I mean, that stuff's out there. No doubt about it. But God is good. And God has blessed us. And God wants to continue to bless us. And there is so much positive that we have to focus on. And so we need to refocus our lives. We're surrounded by negative. We're surrounded by spiritual junk. We need to refocus on the positive. And lastly, we need to trust God. We need to lean on Him. We need to trust Him. And remember, it's He who says He wants to do new things in our lives. Don't rely on yourself. Don't rely on your own strength. Don't rely on your own power. You will fail. I know in my life and maybe in yours, as I begin the year and I, and I make these goals and these resolutions and these things that I'm going to do and I'm going to be spiritually more this, 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 and this. And then, you know, I look back and I realize, wow. Well, that didn't quite happen. And a lot of it's because I relied on myself. I relied on my power. I relied on my strength and not on God. You remember when we were looking at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, I had kind of an epiphany there. We were, you know, my plan was we were just going to start with the fruit of the Spirit is love. We do a lesson on love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faith, and the gentleness, self control, and all that. And that's the way we would do it. That was my intention. And then I started reading the verses above that that talked all about life in the spirit being led by the spirit walking by the spirit and I realized if we just took those fruit of the spirit individually and said I need to love more I'm going to work on that I'm going to love more I'm going to fail if I say, I want to work on joy, I want, to be a mo- I want to work on kindness, I want to be a kinder person, so I'm going to make myself kind, I'm gonna- and I'm going to be kinder, I'm going to fail. But if I'm walking with the Spirit, if I'm letting the Spirit lead me, if I'm letting the Spirit guide me, I will become kinder. I will become more joyful. I will become more loving without trusting God and letting Him lead me. I will fail in those endeavors. God never asks us to do something without providing the resources to do it. How many times did we find that in the Old Testament? The children of Israel, oh, we can't, we can't. Take that land. There's giants and all that. We can't do it. God God said, well, actually, you know, Joshua and Caleb said, yes, we can. Why? What makes you think that this ragtag people who just got out of slavery, who know nothing about fighting or making war or anything like this, probably don't even have any weapons. What makes you two think that we can take this land? Now, I'm ad-libbing here a little bit. But Joshua and Caleb said, because God said we could. And if God said we could, we can do it. But the rest of them were convinced that they couldn't. And then when they do, enter the land. He says, march around Jericho one time for six days and seven times on the seventh day, and the walls come down. To Gideon, he said, you got too many men. Let the ones that are afraid go home. He said, you still got too many men. Go down and drink the water and whatever, went, you know, all of that. 300. God says, "Ah, that's good enough. We can do it with 300. And some jars and some torches and a few trumpets. We can do it. God never asks us or tells us to do something without giving us the resources to do them. We trust Him. We believe Him. We rely on Him. His strength, His power, His promises. So tomorrow is the first page of a new calendar. Tomorrow can also be a new page in our spiritual lives. God wants to do a new thing in your life. God wants to do a great thing in your life. He wants you to forget the past, live in the present, look forward to the future, and it doesn't have to be just on New Year's. God is always ready for us to make a fresh start. His plans may scare us to death. His plans may intimidate us. They may challenge us. But He says we can do it. He gives us the chance for a fresh start. If we stop making excuses, take an inventory of our lives, act in faith, refocus and trust Him. Does it excite you this morning that God has great plans for your life? Or does it scare you? Either way, if we'll turn our lives over to Him, He'll do those great things in our life. If you're here this morning and there's some way we can help or encourage you, we invite you to come now as we stand and as we sing.